1, Romans chapter 1. Of course, uh, before I was gone last week, we finished off our study in the book of Habakkuk, and uh, that was a short study, but I hope it was uh, beneficial, and uh, hope there were some things there we could glean from that, and we're going to jump into Romans chapter 1 today, and my, my biggest fear in the book of Romans is we could spend a long time in Romans, and so uh, I'm trying to pick and choose carefully what we cover and, and how we cover it and how much time we spend on each verse, uh, because there's just so much in the book of Romans. But today's going to sp- mainly be way of, of, uh, of introduction, but really introducing the theme of the book, which is the, the key to the book. So we want to, uh, we want to look at, at, at those things. But as we start today, I just want to mention uh, what a couple people have had to say about the book of Romans. Uh, John Stott refers to Romans as a manifesto of freedom through Jesus Christ. Its message is that man is born in sin and slavery, but Christ came to set man free. And that's how he, he views the book of Romans. Luther uh, referred to Romans as truly the purest gospel. And William Tyndale uh, referred to it as a light and a way into the whole of Scripture. And so obviously some, some very learned men well before our time have, uh, have had some great things to say about the book of Romans. And, um, and that's why it, it, it's just a little bit unnerving to me to dive into this book and see, see what we can, can cover uh, as we work our way through it. Uh, Paul seeks to establish a personal way in relation uh, to his readers. And we notice that right from the very first verses of the book, but you will see a lot of uh, I, me, my mentioned by Paul more than 20 times in the first uh, several verses. And then the theme for the book is given right in verse 1. So let's jump into verse 1 and we'll see what we can learn as we look at just a few verses today. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. What is the theme to the book of Romans? It's the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what the whole book is about. Now, throughout this book, we're going to get a lot of information pertaining to the gospel of Jesus Christ, pertaining to doctrine that we, that we practice and believe in and trust in today. We're going to get a lot of that as we work throughout the book, but everything comes full circle and points back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul uh, was writing about in this book. And so we see uh, Roman numeral 1 today, Paul's introduction, verse 1. And notice what he says. He says, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, in the, in the Greek language, the word there is doulos. Carries a little bit more significance than a servant. The word literally means a slave. That was the word used for slave in the New Testament time in the Greek. And so Paul introduces himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. Likely that Paul had in mind the Old Testament servant who, who loved his master so much that when given freedom, chose to remain in bondage to that master. We, we, we read of that in the Old Testament. And when that happened, the servant's ear was pierced And a ring was put in his ear to show that he had been granted freedom, but chose to remain under his master. And so Paul probably had that idea in mind as as he wrote what he wrote in this book. A surrendering of his life 
to the Master. And boy, if there's anybody, folks, that we could look at in the New Testament that you just, you know, I, I just, Paul just is so, such a humbling character to me to see the transition, number one, that took place in his life from where he was to what he became, but not only that, just how he so just openly and willingly gave himself to the Lord. He just, he just gave his life, didn't matter the didn't matter what he went through, didn't matter the struggles, he just gave himself wholly to the cause of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and if there's anybody that we could look to as a, as a hero in the New Testament, it would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, I would pray, Lord, just, just let my life be a little bit like his life. Just let me be a little bit like Paul because, because of his great testimony. But we turn over to Galatians, Paul writing in the book of Galatians, and he says this in Galatians 6.17. That is the wrong... Oh, no, I, there you go. Sorry, I thought I had the wrong verse. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So what is he talking about in that verse? I bear in my body the marks. Well, the word there is stigmata. It's, it's a tattoo burned into the skin of the New Testament slave. So Paul says basically he identifies himself with, with a slave of the Old Testament through, through the word, the word doulos, and then he identifies himself uh, with, with the slave in the New Testament that has burned into his body a mark marking him as a slave to a particular master. And Paul says, I bear in my body the marks proving that he belonged to a particular Master, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, what was Paul talking about? Well, the beating at Antioch, the stoning at Lystra. Those, those things left physical scars on the body of Paul that would be a mark, a testimony to his life that he had given himself over to his Master, to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I, I bear in my body the mark. I literally have scars on my body that demonstrate that I have given myself to somebody, to some master. And he's saying, that's, that's what I bear in my body today. The marks. The marks of those things. Making him a servant of God. But he says, a servant of Jesus Christ. But then he says, called to be an apostle called to be an apostle, directly and personally called by Jesus Christ, sent out by Him to, for one purpose and one purpose only, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the commission given to Paul. We remember the story as Saul breathing out threatenings against the church and, and looking for, for who he could, he could imprison and beat that was in the way, the way of Jesus Christ. And the Lord meets him on the road to Damascus. And, and, and we know that whole story. And, and his life completely turns around and heads a totally different direction. And the Lord personally calls Paul to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he says, as he introduces his book, he says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm an apostle called by Jesus Christ. And he says that I'm separated unto the gospel. We'll look at that in just a minute. But let's look at the first contrast because it's a great contrast. 
the contrast between slave and apostle. Between slave and apostle. A slave would be a title of great humility, personal insignificance without personal rights having been purchased for a price. That was what the word slave meant. It meant I lose all my personal decision making, I lose all my personal rights because somebody has bought me, paid for me, and so I now live in a, in a in way basically in great humility because I've been bought and I have nothing of my personal desire because I've been bought with a price. See, folks, what we have to understand is each one of us that have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, our personal Savior, we've been bought with a price. We've been bought with a price. Matter of fact, those, that term, bought with a price, only occurs two places in the New Testament. If you turn over to 1 Corinthians, we'll look at the first one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, it says this. 1 Corinthians 6, I'm sorry, not verse 17. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Excuse me. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We see the concept here that, that our, our body is no longer our own. Once we've trusted the Lord as our personal Savior, we have given up our rights to what I want, to what Ken Biggs' desires are, to what I want to do with my life. I've given those things up. Why? Because I've been bought with a price. And the price is the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then just slip over one chapter into chapter 7 and down to verse 20 in chapter 7. Notice what it says. It says, Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide where? With God. So the Apostle Paul himself here, the one who introduced himself as, I'm a servant, <coughs> excuse me, and I'm an apostle. He says, listen, don't be called the servant of anybody else, but the servant of God. And see, folks, that's where our focus needs to be today. The, 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 the theme of Romans is the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the focus of the book is to constantly bring our attention to Jesus Christ so that our focus is on Him and not on ourselves. After the transition that took place in Paul's life, the focus wasn't on Paul anymore. It wasn't. And he could have had the focus on him. Remember, there's a passage where he talks about, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a this, I'm a that, but it means nothing. Because he had the titles before. But the titles were worthless apart from his relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he came to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and built that relationship on Jesus Christ, Paul humbled himself and became nobody so that he could become somebody. I mean, think about it. Thousands of years later, we're sitting in Sunday church studying the Apostle Paul, who became nobody for the Lord. Who called himself what? The chiefest of sinners. 
Why, why would we on a Sunday morning in 2021 study a man who called himself the chiefest of sinners? I'll tell you why. Because when he gave it to Christ, he gave it all. He gave it all. And so now we can look at his testimony, his life, and we can learn from it. We can learn from what he left us. We're bought with a price. What was that price? That price was Jesus Christ shed blood. Just a couple pages back into Acts. Acts 20 and verse 28 says this. It says, Take heed therefore of yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. That's a humbling verse, folks. To feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. When you, when you think about Calvary and you think about the cross, I mean, we're going to be, you know, commemorating Easter here in a few weeks and, uh, and, and, and obviously spending some time that day particularly looking at what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and, and partaking in communion, which is, the, which is the picture that we are commanded to participate in until he returns. Why are we going to be doing all that? We're going to be doing that because of what he did at the cross. Because of the blood that he shed for you and for me. And so Paul, recognizing what was done for him, he understands that he was bought with a price. That's the slave. But then there's the apostle. A title of what? Great authority. Official privilege and dignity by reason of the appointment. Paul was appointed by Jesus Christ to take the gospel to the Gentile world. That's what he was appointed to do. He was given a commission by Jesus Christ himself to take the gospel to the world. And that's what he did. So two titles, slave and apostle, very different, yet both applied to Paul. And then at the end of verse 1, we see this, separated unto the gospel of God. You know, it's interesting, the word separated there is the same root word for the word Pharisee. The Pharisees were what? They were separated apart for what? The law. That's what they were about. I mean, we know, we read in the Scripture about the I mean, they were all about the law, folks. It was all about following the rules, line after line after line after line. That's what Pharisees were about. And prior to his conversion, Paul was separated this way. He was separated as a Pharisee, separated under the law. But then, Paul meets the Lord. And now he's set apart, separated for something else. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. What a change. Jesus Christ came to what? He said, not to destroy the law, but what? To fulfill it. To fulfill it. Listen, folks, I don't know about you, but I, I, I am glad we don't have to do all those things that are in the law. I'm glad we're not up here today killing birds and ripping heads off of birds and, and killing lambs and letting the blood flow down through the aisle of the child. I'm glad we don't have to do any of that anymore. I'm thankful for that. Why? Because Jesus Christ came to fulfill it all. And so Paul says, listen, I'm separated. I've been called out under the gospel. But you know, folks, 
we're all the same way. <laughs> Those of us that have accepted the Lord as our personal Savior. There, there's passages in the Scripture called the Great Commission. What is that about, folks? That's our calling to go out here and spread the gospel however we can do it. That sometimes means us personally taking it to somebody and saying to them, hey, let me tell you how you can know you can be saved today and know you're on your way to heaven. That also means sometimes supporting a church ministry that can support missionaries, that they can go out and do it. That's, that's why I love that, that we are a missions church. I love that we support a lot of missionary projects. I would love for us to be able to support more all the time, there, but, I, but I love that we are able, to, the size we are, to support as many missions projects as we are because those are people that are taking the gospel to a world that we can't reach. Sometimes a world that would be impossible for us to reach because we're not the right nationality. We're not the right spoken language. There's countries in this world. There's countries in this world, folks, I can't get into today. But we have missionaries that were born there. Think of Brother Marzouk in Egypt. See, folks, I'm not, I can't go to Egypt today and spread the gospel. I can't. But Brother Marzouk can. And so what do we do? We support Brother Marzouk, let him go to Egypt, and spread the gospel on our behalf. And so that's a blessing, folks. But Paul, sa Paul says, listen, he says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, I'm an apostle, and I was separated under the gospel of God. That's all Paul's introduction. Then we go to Roman numeral 2, the gospel. Notice what Paul says in verse 2. He says, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. So, so he, he, he adds this, and you notice in your Bible, verse 2 is in parentheses. It's kind of, a, kind of an insert in there. He, he, he's separated under the gospel of God, which he promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now I want you to do something with me just for a second. Take that, in, that, that little parentheses out of your Scripture for a second, just, just let's take verse 2 and set it aside just for a second. And read, let's read verse 1 into verse 3. To be an apostle separated from the gospel of God concerning his son Jesus Christ. Because that's how it reads. You take the parentheses, that's a separate little thought in the middle of that. It's the gospel of God concerning his son Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was called to do. He was called to present the gospel of what? Jesus Christ, the son of God. That's what he was called to do. And in that, we see in verses 3 and 4, we get the person of the gospel. The good news. We often refer to the gospel as the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news? The good news of God is what? His Son. That's the good news. Luther states, Here the door is thrown open wide for the understanding of the Holy Scriptures. That is, everything must be understood in relation to to Jesus Christ. Think about that, folks. Everything in the Scriptures must be understood in relation to Jesus Christ. Listen, you can go back to the book of Exodus, and what does it do? It refers to Jesus Christ. The pictures of the sacrifices and the, and the things that took place in the tabernacle and later in the temple, they were pointing forward to Jesus Christ. You can go to the end of the of Revelation, and you can look backward to the cross of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus Christ conquered hell and the grave, and so he is the ultimate power, and one day he will be the one that will judge this earth when he returns, as we read about in the book of Revelation. But what does it all point to? From all the way in Genesis to all the way in Revelation, it all points back to Jesus Christ. Every book of the Bible points back to Jesus Christ. 
Now, Paul describes Christ two ways in, in, in these verses. Notice what he says. He says, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So first he talks about God's human, uh, Jesus' human nature. He was in the lineage of David. By the way, a miraculous lineage, if you ever take the time to study that out and see how we got from David to Jesus Christ. Incredible. Who the Lord used along the way. Common people. People that had problems in their life. People that had great sin in their life. Yet God used from, from David all the way through to Jesus Christ, that lineage for the Savior. That was, that was, that was His human nature. He, he was the seed of David according to the flesh. But notice what it says in verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared what? His spiritual nature. Son of God, and it adds, with power. I love that. With power according to the Scripture of holiness. He was made. That means to emerge. Transitioning from one point or realm to another. Verse 3. He was made of the seed of David. He transitioned. We know that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ in that hypostatic union became 100% God. Zach's going to need to know that in a few weeks for his ordination. He became 100% God and he became what? 100% man, right? He, he was born a human birth. 100% God, 100% man. But there was a spiritual side to him Literally marked off the word means declared means to mark off or define. He was defined that his Christ was shown or proved to be what? What defined him? What defined him, Paul tells us, declared to be what? What was his defining thing? He was the Son of God. That's why, folks, any religion that tries to tell you that Jesus Christ was not God's Son is a false religion. Because the Bible is very clear, he was marked off, he was declared, literally marked off as what? The Son of God. That's what Jesus Christ was. So anybody that tries to tell you differently, we have all kinds of religions today that want to put Jesus in some other box. He was a great teacher. Well, he may have been a great teacher, but he was also the Son of God. He was a good person. Well, he was a good person, but he was also the Son of God. He was this, he was that, he was that. And they just they want to say anything but what he really was, and that's that he was the Son of God. And 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 folks, he 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 is going to be the one that one day will judge the earth. The scripture is very clear about that. He was seed of David, human nature, son of God with power, spiritual nature. And how did it all come about? Verse 4, by the resurrection from the dead. See, folks, that's what sets Jesus Christ apart from anybody else that's ever been worshipped. Anybody else that's ever been worshipped. No other person that's ever been worshipped on the face of earth can claim that they conquered hell and the grave. But one, Jesus Christ. His resurrection is what separated him. Nyron in his commentary says it this way. It says, so the resurrection is the turning point in the existence of the Son of God. Before that, he was the Son of God in weakness and lowliness. We know that's how he came to this earth, in a manger. Through the resurrection, 
He is the Son of God. How? It tells us in this verse, in power. Power. It's hard to believe sometimes. It's hard to, it's hard to take in how Jesus came to the earth the first time compared to how he's coming the second time. I mean, it's really, when you try to wrap your mind, I struggle with that, folks. I struggle wrapping my mind around the babe in a manger and the Lord Jesus Christ returning on a white horse <laughs> with a name written on his side that no one knows and King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Two totally opposite, I mean, as extreme as it can get. A babe, not even just a normal babe, but a babe born to poor parents in a man, placed in a manger because there was no place for him. And then coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But that's exactly what we're talking about here in this passage. And that takes us to verse 5. The presentation of the gospel. In his commentary, Phillips points out three key thoughts here. He looks at our attitude, our assignment, and our authority. Let's look at verse 5. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. What should our attitude be? Obedience to the faith. Obedience to the faith, folks. Listen, we are called to obey God. We are. Read the scriptures. We just sang about it this morning. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to what? Be happy in Jesus, what? But to trust and obey. And we may sing that and think, that's a nice little song. That's got a nice ring to it. Well, folks, it may have a nice ring to it, but it's also, it's also scriptural. You want to be happy in your life. How do you find happiness? You obey God. Re- remember the book of Ecclesiastes? The conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. That's it. A man that spent his life searching for happiness everywhere but, but the right place finally comes to the conclusion of it all, and he says, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Obey God. That's the conclusion of the whole. After all this search, all this study, I've spent my life trying to find happiness everywhere it could be found on earth, and all of it came up, what does he say in Ecclesiastes? Vanity. Empty worthless. I tried everything. And Solomon pretty much did. Read the book of Ecclesiastes, folks. And he tried it in the same place as people are still trying it today. And it's still coming up empty. Fear God. Keep his commandments. And he adds this, for this is the whole duty of man, by the way. He says this is the duty of man. This is what man should be doing. Our attitude is obedience to the faith. Our assignment Where are we supposed to take the gospel? Verse 5 tells us, all nations, everybody, folks. We don't leave people out. We take it everywhere we can. We take it to all nations, all nationalities, all places on this earth. The gospel is for everyone. And I'll just say, folks, that's, that's why I don't believe in, in uh, just a few select that are going to find their way to heaven. Because my scripture tells me the gospel is for all nations, for all mankind. Whosoever will may come. God so loved the world, referring to the whole of humanity, 
Our assignment is all nations. And then notice our authority verse, in the end of verse 5. For his name. For his name. That's the authority by which we take the gospel out into this world. For his name. For his name's sake. That's the theme of our missions conference this year, by the way. For the sake of his name. That's why we make an effort to take the gospel to the world around us. It's for the same reason that Paul talked about in verse 5 of Romans chapter 1. It's for the sake of his name. That's why we seek to take the gospel out. All this is done for the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 says this. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why do we take the gospel to the entire world? Why? For this very reason. Because Jesus Christ is the name that is exalted above all names. In his commentary, Stott says this. He says, we should be jealous for the honor of his name. Troubled when it remains unknown. Hurt when it is ignored. Indignant when it is blasphemed. And all the time anxious and determined that it shall be given the honor of and glory, which are doeth. I like that quote, folks. I really do. Early Christians went out to spread the gospel for this very reason. Slip over just one last passage today to 3 John. 3 John and verse 7. 3 John, verse 7. It says, because that for his name's sake, they went forth. Why do we go forth spreading the gospel today? For his name's sake. So what can we say about these five verses today? Well, we could say this. We could say that the good news is the gospel of God about Christ Jesus according to the scripture for the nations of this world unto the obedience of faith and for the sake of his name. And that's why Paul is so concerned about taking the gospel to the world around him at his time. And that's also why today we should be concerned with taking the gospel to our world. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed as we come to the end of the message. Just the introduction today, folks, that's all it was. Five verses to introduce this book. But I think we see very clearly that Paul is going to give us in the book of Romans some things that are really going to challenge us <clears throat> about taking that gospel to the world around us. By whatever means, by our testimony, by sharing a track, by personally sharing with somebody what the Lord's done in your life, by giving so that a missionary can go and spread the gospel. All these are means, Lord, uh, that we have today to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. And Paul's going to emphasize in this book the freedom that we enjoy in Jesus Christ. Remember how he starts out? He starts out, he says, I, I, I'm a slave and I'm an apostle. 
And you, and you think, well, if you're a slave, where is the freedom? Well, Paul's going to teach us about that freedom. It's a freedom from the bondage of sin. That each one of us that's trusted the Lord as our Savior, that we can enjoy in our life today. But many times, we don't allow ourselves to be free from that bondage. Even though the Scripture tells us, if Christ has made you free, you're what? You're free indeed. We're free from the bondage of sin. But so often we keep ourselves enslaved to that same bondage. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know how the Lord may have spoken to your heart and life today. Maybe you just need to spend some time in prayer there at your seat. Maybe you need to sit back down and pray. Maybe you need to come to the altar and spend some time in prayer. But we'll just wait a moment as Judy plays a verse of a song, however the Lord's spoken to you today.